We are kicking off a brand new series called Frequency. Um, it, the tagline, this is important that you remember this, is release the sound of freedom. Um, let me just say that as we turn to the word in just a minute, God is an equal opportunity disruptor. So I want to make sure that all of you understand this. This is not a series that, um, and rescue that video already. We'll go with that in just a second. This is not a series to try to convince anybody to be a certain way, worship a certain way. I mean, God created you the way that you are. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're not like the person next to you? I mean, <laughs> I'm glad we're all unique, right? And so sometimes we feel the pressure to conform to a certain style. This is not going to be a series about style. Um, this is a series about sound. Okay? We're releasing the sound of freedom. And I can guarantee you this, it's going to rattle, it's going to rattle all of us. Because I'm the one getting ready for it, and I'm at home going, oh, God, you're, you're rattling me. I mean, I'm, I couldn't wait for today just because I can't wait to kind of share with you what I'm getting rattled with. Right? And so... You don't, you're not going to get the luxury. So at any point during a series, you kind of go, well, I'm not sure about that. Welcome to the club, right? Like this, his word is challenging us, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, I've got a quick video that we're going to show. It's about three minutes long, and I was going to just show it coming straight out of intermission, but I, I just want to make sure that you saw the beginning of it because you need to kind of understand what's going on. Um, I've nerded out a lot as I prepared for this series um, so I've been on YouTube watching cool stuff, and I'm just like, I can't believe that this stuff is real. But it's because Jesus created the world, right? So nothing, none of this is like, the more I've researched them, I'm like, man, science and, and faith, like, actually, they go together. Like, it's amazing. Anyway, it's amazing what our Father has created, right? And so um, since this is all about sound, I'm going to let you watch this clip of um, some pretty cool stuff that happens with sand particles, whenever certain frequencies are played, and then we'll all come back up and we'll jump into Joshua chapter 6. How many of you were watching it and you were like, when is it going to show the face of Jesus? Right? You were like, that's going to be the way it ends. Um, creation moves at the sound, y'all. You watch something like that and you start realizing when God said, let there be, whatever he spoke next was going to take place. Right? Creation moves at the sound. We're in Joshua chapter 6. Um, while you're turning there or, or finding on your phone, let me just give you some, um, some things to hold on to as we're going through this series. Frequency, this series, I'm praying that it helps us understand, listen closely, the power of our worship and our words. There's power in our worship and our words. When, everybody say when. This is important. You can, talk all the, you can talk a lot, and there's no power. You can sing a lot, and there's no power. I think it's in Amos where God sent a prophet to say, away from me with the noise of your songs. This is not about volume. It's not about filling a room with sound. It's specific. There's power in our worship and our words when they are filled with faith. You with me so far? This is a long sentence. I know that, but... There's power in our worship and our words when they are filled with faith. And faith that is, this is very important. Number one, grounded in who God is. And number two, growing through what we do. Okay, I'm going to say all that again because some of you are note takers and you're like, I'm still back at worship and our words. The point of this series and everything we do, and um, I'm... Man, I feel like I'm just interrupting sentences to say more sentences. I'm so sorry about that. Just to kind of give you a roadmap for where we're going. I, I told you when we did Glory Days, I don't feel like we're in this season where I can say, hey, this is a four-week series on, called Frequency. This is just a word for our church. We're going to camp out here till God says we're done, and we're going to move on. Now, I know what we're going to move on to, and I, I hope you're as excited about this as I am. I'm excited and terrified all at the same time. How many of you are, are just hungry for truth right now? So when this series is over, we're going to start, we're just calling it Romans Road Trip, and we're going to do a, we're going to study the book of Romans, and we're going to start it, and we'll end it when we're done, <laughs> and I'm going to get Pastor Bridget to preach all the hard parts. <clears throat> she doesn't know that yet, but she'll be excited, but we're, so 
again, we want to be a church that is grounded in who God says he is. Grounded in his word. Right? I, I also want to be a church that is full of the power of the Holy Spirit. But, y'all, he doesn't give us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be flakes. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be witnesses. And people don't listen to flakes. They listen, they, they listen to weird people that might do weird things, but those weird things are grounded in who God says he is and what he said. So the whole point of this is to understand the power of our worship and our words. I am praying that how we speak and how we engage in worship will change through this series. And that's where, that's where a lot of us are going to get shaken up a little bit. Like, well, I don't have to sing. Eh, you might be surprised. You, know, you don't have to sing if you don't want to have victory. That's fine. But you might be surprised at what God actually calls us to do. I don't have to shout. Eh, okay, hang in there, right? We're all going to be challenged. We want to understand the power of our worship and our words when they are filled with faith that is grounded in who God is and growing through what we do. Oh, that was a long introduction. Are we good? Okay, so we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. Um, oh, come on, let's stand up and read it together. Can we do that? I promise not to preach through it. I'll just read it, and then you can sit back down. Our key verse for this is um, for today is verse 20. We'll get there when we, when we get to the end of it. Here we go. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Here's the word of the Lord. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. And seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. And when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into this town. So Joshua called together the priests and said... Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the, the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the Ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. Verse 11, so the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. Verse 15, on the seventh day, y'all are doing great. The Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, but this time, they went around the town seven times. And the seventh time around, as the priest sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. You have no idea how hard it is not to preach right now. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Verse 19, everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Verse 20, this is our verse. And I'm going to, um, sorry. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. While you're standing there, I'm going to read verse 20 from the New American Standard Bible. Here's what it says. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpet, 
And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, here's the phrase we're going to hone in on today. The people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. God, we come humbly to your word this morning. Um, This is not about Paul having this great revelation that changes everything. This is about you speaking to us from your word. But I do believe this, God. My insides are so full of expectation. Because I believe that you are giving us insight, God, into how your kingdom operates. And so we sit, Lord, as your disciples at the feet of our rabbi. And we just say, speak. We are listening. And we recognize that Listening and learning leads to living. We're blessed not just because we know these things, but because we will do them. And so God, help us to listen with a heart to apply. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a seat, y'all. feel like my notes are all over the place so one I'm gonna try to make this commitment to you Um, I'm not gonna try to say it all in one day (laughs) you're welcome but how do you not when there's I want to say it all it's so good and this is just stuff like God just started showing me things as I was studying this passage Um, let me just give you a couple takeaways and we probably in weeks to come we'll come back and maybe highlight a few of these so just here's Seven things right away that I noticed as I, was, as I was reading it. One, when we encounter what is tightly shut up, we need a new level and a new strategy. Jericho was shut up, tightly shut up, because they had heard about how God was moving through his people. And so they were prepared, which is interesting, isn't it? Have you, have you noticed that when God's really moving in your life, sometimes people around you clamp down? <laughs> They're like, they, whatever you do, don't let Jesus in. So when we encounter what's tightly shut up, we need a new level. We need something new, a new strategy. It shouldn't surprise us that things get more tightly shut up as our reach increases. I mean, sometimes this is important to know because we, we believe that we have the good news, yes? I mean, we call it good news. It's the good news of the gospel. Have you ever tried to share good news with somebody who didn't want to hear it? And we walk away going like, But God, it's good news. Yeah, but to them it might not be yet, right? I can remember youth pastoring teenagers, and I mean, I I would be like, what are you waiting for? Like, why are you, like, you've seen Jesus. Like, what are you waiting for? And I remember one guy said this. He said, I just don't want to say yes to him if I'm not going to keep my word. Like, oh, wow, like, you've, you've thought about this more than Christians. Wow. So... Don't be discouraged if, as you share, as our reach increases, as God gives us more more platform in the city, don't be surprised if people go, I'm not sure I want that platform here. It shouldn't surprise us, right? They're just just shutting themselves up tightly. Um, Verse 2, I I noticed this. um, It says, the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. God's prophetic promise must inform our response more than our current experience. What he tells us to do has to lead us more than what we see happening around us. Verses um, 3 through 5, we won't read them all, but he talks about, I want you to take the men, and I want you to take the ark, and I want you to walk around the city. Now, you've got to picture this. Jericho has these walls, and there are people literally that their job is to be on top of the wall to, to watch for people so they can attack people, right? And so they're basically sitting ducks for seven days. They're walking around the wall. Not only are they, they're not even sneaking around. God told them, hey, while you're walking, did you notice how much noise was already happening? I always read this story like they were tiptoeing around the city. Seven days, shh, 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 don't let them see us. The priests are blowing the horns continually. The only people that were quiet were the people. So 
sometimes God's strategy, this is really important because we're Americans. Sometimes God's strategy is way more important than our safety. His strategy is more important than our safety. And our safety comes from saying yes and being obedient to what he told us to do. Listen, some of you are already thinking like, how does this apply to my life? Maybe God wants you to quit your job. And you're like, uh, that paycheck, man. God's strategy is more important than our safety. When he says, do this, then the only thing we can say is yes and trust that he will protect us. And here's the other thing we learn about Verses 3 through 5, God's plan offers perfect protection. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice all the sevens that we read? In the Bible, the number seven symbolizes completeness or perfection. There were seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, seven times around the wall on the seventh day. That's five. God's plan of action may seem foolish to men, but it was the perfect scheme for this battle. Number six, circle. This is so good for me. This was so good for me. Circling in obedience is advancing the kingdom. Man, that is good, y'all. Can we just drive this home for a second? Will you be honest? How many of you feel stuck? It's just in life. You ever feel stuck? Like, God, when's that next thing going to happen? I feel like I'm just circling, just circling, just in place. Like, gosh, circling in place. I'm in the same spot. I've done this for seven days. Jeez, God, when? Circling in obedience advances the kingdom. He didn't tell them to march in place. They were doing something even though it didn't appear like they were going anywhere. And if, if you're in a place where you feel stuck... The worst thing you can do is start doing something that God told you didn't tell you to do. Like you just keep doing what He told you to do. Keep being faithful where you are and trusting Him. Uh, last, the, the last takeaway that we're just going to skim over, and then we're going to we're going to camp out on the one that I think God wants to highlight today. We must tune in if we're going to know when to shout out. This is all about distractions, right? The trumpets were sounding constantly, but, but Joshua was clear to the people, don't say a word. Not a word. One, there's a reason for that. We'll get to that in just a second. It's about empty words. But, but practically, if they were talking, when they, they wouldn't have heard them tell, him tell them when to shout. I mean, this is a good word to a distracted global church we are so distracted y'all we are the attention deficit ooh shiny people we are all over the map and when God tells us a command and what to do we're I don't even know if we're disobeying like we're not even like blatantly I heard you say that and I'm not gonna do it you know we just didn't hear him say it we have no clue and then one day we wake up and go like wait where did, where did why did God leave me <laughs> well he told you he was gonna go that way and you were too busy gossiping, chattering, whatever, with all your friends in church. And you didn't hear him say he was going that way. And you didn't even notice when he left. Again, I told you, he's going to be an equal opportunity disruptor. So y'all know, because you know, I love, I love loud. I love jumping. I love all the stuff. I can't do the cool stuff, but I love it. I love lights, and I love all of that. But sometimes God just says, shh, not now. We have to be able to hear him say that. And if we're all wrapped up in our stuff, and who got kicked off the island on Survivor this week? It was crazy. <laughs> we might miss him, right? Okay, so those were seven. We'll, we'll maybe jump into those further in the series, but can we camp out on number eight? This is the one that really got me this week. I, I, I don't have time to read the whole 20 verses again, but again, did you notice how many times there was noise happening? Like the priests were blowing, 
Like there was, there was stuff happening. And you get this many people moving together in one lo- Like teachers, have you ever gotten, had your class go with you from one location to the other? Like just the act of moving is noisy. <clears throat> yes? And you're like, shh, shh, shh. And they're like, we didn't say anything. It's your feet. Right. Just, there's a lot of noise, right? There's a lot of sound. So write this down, please, if you don't mind. This wasn't about total silence as much as it was about a targeted shout, targeted sound. Why does that matter? Because sound affects the scene. Verse 20 in the New American Standard says, So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. They shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down. Some Hebrew quickly. The people shouted. That word shouted, the Hebrew word is ruah. R-U-A, ruah. And it was a war cry. But when they shouted, they shouted. So the people ruad with a great shout, <clears throat> excuse me, with a great shout. But that is not, I was like, that'll be ruah again, but it's not. It's, t- it's truah, <laughs> that's not a sweetener. <laughs> it's, it's ruah, but you had a T in front of it. So T apostrophe R-U-A. So truah, um, and that's almost exclusively a shout of victory. Why did they shout, a, why did they ruah, a war cry that was a victorious truah? Why did they shout with victory when the wall was still up? This is what I've been asking God. And the reason why they did it is because, and I didn't know this was a thing either until so I started studying, but in verse 2 it says, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. And so um, the, the tense of the Hebrew word for I have given, I have delivered, it might say in your Bible, the tense is called a prophetic perfect. It's a prophetic perfect tense of that verb. I have delivered. And it describes a future action as if it were already accomplished. Since God had declared it, the victory was assured. I've been trying to think about how to give us a picture to kind of, because this is, this is maybe hard to wrap your brains around. Like, what does that mean? Like, okay, shout with shout a war cry, but then shout a victorious war cry. Like, I don't understand. How does that go together? Um, anybody watching March Madness right now? Anybody seen any highlights of? I mean, well, I'm feel so. We got our orange people here. They watched the Tennessee game, and they're sitting in front of people that were watching it and didn't have a victorious war cry. But. So I'm going to tell you what I, what I see that I think this is a good thing for us to hold on to, okay? Um, if you're an athlete, you can feel the adrenaline. Like when you're in, they're in the middle of the game and somebody goes up and slams the ball and they come down and they go, let's go, right? Like I'm not an athlete, so it's much better when they do it and there's slow-mo behind. It's like, let's go. So there's that. Um, I think it was the first game that Duke played. They, they kept showing um, their coaches, the co- Duke's coaches' parents in the, in the stands, and they were into it. It was a close game. They were excited. And, but then they showed them at the end, like when Duke finally got the last rebound that guaranteed they were going to win, they showed the dad, and the dad had the same, like, shout, but it was like he knew they were going to win. It was just different. It's the, it's the sound, it's the difference between the cheering in a stadium when you're hoping your team will win and the cheering during the celebration as they lift up the trophy. That's the difference here. I told you that God said at the end of last year that this was a year for our church to move from hoping to knowing. Hoping is ruah. Knowing is truah. They shouted with a great shout. They knew those walls were coming down. They, well, they didn't know the walls were, they knew that God was going to deliver the city. 
right? They knew that he was going to provide victory because he guaranteed it. He said it would happen. And so they shouted with a victorious war cry. It's the let's go when it's zero, zero, zero on the clock and you won. The same two words that they would yell all through the game, trying to pump their teammates up so they can win. They said the same two words at the end of the game because they just won. I'm a state fan. I don't know anything about winning. But, of course, you know, I've seen other teams participate in this activity. So let me give you the big idea. It's a weird one, but hang with me. Walls will fall when heaven's wrecking ball is released. Walls will fall when heaven's wrecking ball is released. What is heaven's wrecking ball? Here we go. It's words and worship loaded with faith. So let's, let's talk through that quickly, and then we'll close. So, well, Paul, what... What, what does that mean? Just confess it? It means believe it. It means believe that what God said he will do. It means that when we have a quiet time in the morning, and I know a lot of you do this, you open your word and you read it and you journal stuff, it means that what you just journaled, he does. He didn't give you that revelation so you could walk away and go, that was a great quiet time. He gave you that revelation because that revelation is going to come true in your life. It's his word, and he watches over it to perform it. And so when we, when we worship and when we, when we speak words that are full of that faith, it is a wrecking ball from heaven, and it takes walls down. That's why the walls came down. Okay. Let me find where we are. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit more. It doesn't take a lot of faith. I'm going to give you some scripture for this because Jesus said, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, if you just have the faith of a mustard seed, we're going to unpack that in just a minute. It doesn't take a lot of faith, but it does take a faith that's being developed. The faith-filled shout came after a week-long drought. So for one week, they're walking. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. <laughs> parents of small children and or teenagers, can you feel the parents' pain in this story? Get up. We're doing it again. And teenagers are like, wow, we've done it five days in a row because God said seven days. On six days, we do it six days and seven times on the sixth day because God said. Now, where, where does this where does this leave us with our doubts, right? Because we have doubts. Yes, um, did God really say? Isn't that what the what the enemy said to to Eve? What should what? Let's just all play or let's role play. What should Eve have said? <laughs> I think so, right? She should have said yes. And how many of you on your best days would have said yes? Yes, God said that. But how many of you have had days like Eve? You're like, she didn't, she, I think that's what he said. So she doubted. What could she have done in that moment? I'll give you a hint. Who did she walk with every morning in the garden? The God who said it. She could have taken that doubt to him and said, uh, please, please don't be mad, sir. But, um. Could you clarify for me, like, I, when you, meant, you meant every tree but this one, right? She could have done that. So could Adam. They kept their doubts to themselves, and they believed a lie. Some of us have done the same thing. So what do you do with your doubts? You bring them to Jesus. Well, I've been shouting. I don't see the walls falling. Bring that to Jesus. He's the one that wrote. Don't bring it. To, I mean, you could bring it to me. And I will listen, and then what will I say at the end? You should take that to Jesus. Why? I'm not the author. I have doubts too, and I'm bringing them to Jesus. 
well, how come, how come that one got healed and that one didn't get healed? Great question. Let's talk to Jesus about that. It doesn't take a lot, but it has to continue to be developed. So why didn't God have them shout on the first day? Do you ask these kind of questions when you read the Bible? I'm like, God, you're God. You knew the wall was going to come down. You just needed them to shout, targeted shout of faith. And God's like, because wall-busting faith has to be developed. And how does it get developed? Obedience. He could have said, okay, day one, sleep in, right? Read your tablet with some coffee. Talk about it, get, get a nice lunch, get rested up, and then meet me at 5 as the sun's going down. Golden hour, you'll get a really good selfie. We're going to shout, and the walls are going to fall down, right? He could have done that, but why did he make them walk for a week? Obedience, development, anticipation, expectation. I, I started thinking, like, how silly did they look? Right? To the people that lived in Jericho. To the people. There's those crazy people walking in. Do you hear the sound? The, the trumpets are blowing again. This is crazy. What do they think they're going to do? So impractical. Where are my practical people? Raise your hand. I'm, one of, I'm with you. So impractical. Man, God dropped this on me this week. He's like, faith seems impractical because you're responding to what hasn't been revealed yet. So people look at you and go, wait, wait, Noah, you're, you're building what? I'm sorry, you, you said it's, it's called an ark? Okay, it's, it's big, and why are you building it so big? I'm sorry, sorry, could you spell rain? I've never heard of that. It had never rained. And so everything that Moses, that Noah was doing looked impractical. Like, I don't, don't raise your hand because they might be here with you, but how many of you have neighbors who have, like, ugly things in their yard, right? You're like, dude, the gnome, it's got to go, right? And all of his gnome cousins, you have a gnome yard, it's got to go. And, like, this was in his yard. Like, this was humongous. We've got some people here in the church that have been to the ark in Kentucky. It's, I haven't been there, but I've heard, like, you just walk up and go, holy cow, it's huge. He built that before anybody had even heard of rain. Larry Sprinkle had no job, right? <laughs> there were not meteorologists going, yes, there'll be rain today. Like, there's no green screening. Nothing like that's going on. There'd been no rain. He built that for a reality that had not been revealed. And so he looked impractical. Guess when he became relevant? When it rained. So he's calling us to step out in faith. He's calling us to speak out in faith. Now, this has been maligned by the church. It's been taught with error, so much so that some of you right now, are, you're like, this is, are we a name it and claim it church? Man, I'm a God spoke it church, period. However he wants to work it out, that's God's job. He just called me to believe it, and I'm going to worship him with faith full of that. I mean, read the Bible, there's no name it and claim it in there, right? I think Jesus would say stuff like, stop claiming a pillow for your head because I don't have one. Right? It's just the reality of my father said. Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I've heard my father say it. Jesus' words were full of the word of God. And then we, we just think we can talk about spiritual things and not even pray. We are arrogant. I'm sorry. I mean, we, a collective we, we are arrogant, right? So, okay, so it just takes us mustard size, seed, mustard seed size, of, size of faith. That was hard to say. Please pray for me. Hmm. A lot of sweating during that sentence. So let's break this passage down. Matthew 17, um, 14 through 20, 21. We'll do this very quickly. I'm trying to be sensitive, y'all. It's my birthday. I can do what I want. 
Matthew 17. I, I just want to give some context because you've all heard uh, Jesus say that um, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, yes? So let's just read the context of where that came from. Why did he say that? So it starts in Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21. So in verse 14, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. Some parents are like, I've said that. <laughs> for he's a lunatic and he's very ill, and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. This is a weird description, but he was demon-possessed. Verse 16, the father continues, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. <laughs> At this point, the disciples, they're just like, <laughs> right? So verse 18, Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Remember we talked earlier about bringing your doubts to Jesus? Verse 19, look what the disciples did. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, that's a good place to do it sometimes, and said, why could we not drive it out? Now, why did they ask that question? Well, be, well yeah, clearly because it, they didn't. They asked that question because seven chapters earlier, Jesus said this. Jesus called his 12 disciples, Matthew 10, 1, together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Seven chapters earlier, he said, you have authority to take care of what they encountered seven chapters later. And when it didn't happen, guess what they did? They doubted. Excuse me, a teacher, I have a question. They did the very thing that we need to do. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. When I pray for people to be healed and they're not, I don't know always to do with that. I have a brother we prayed for my entire life. He died not healed. He's healed now, and I'm so thankful for that. But I want to be full of faith when I pray for you to be healed. Right? Like we, so these questions are legitimate and they brought that to Jesus. And here's what they said. Why can we not drive it out? In verse 20, this is the one that we've always heard. And he said to them, because of the church you attend, because your preacher doesn't preach well, because the worship isn't loud enough, soft enough, hemmy enough, or chorusy enough. He said, because of the littleness of your faith. I, I don't know about y'all. I don't even have to go to the Greek for that. He talked about the volume and size of their faith, Period. He said, because of the littleness of your faith, because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there. And people, I'm sure there are people that are standing in front of mountains right now, physical, like Mar Mountain going, this is blocking my view, be gone in Jesus' name. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. This is figurative language, right? He's talking about we can see there can be obstacles that we're facing, and we have the power in our words when they're full of the faith that he spoke those words that we can say to that, and that situation can change. And what I take away from this is, however much faith the disciples had, it wasn't even as much as a mustard seed. Because if they'd have had that much, it would have been taken care of. He said, but verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Here's why this is important. We have everything we need to do what God's called us to do. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. If you're a believer, you have everything you need. For what God's calling you to do. It just has to be developed. A lot of us read this and go, well, oh, I just need to have a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith. Yeah, well, that's all you need. Because a little bit of faith placed in the greatness of who Jesus is will take care of the problem. A lot of faith placed in a rock or whatever crazy thing people are worshiping nowadays, not going not to take care of anything. A lot of faith placed in your therapist, not going to help. 
you should still go to therapy. But you should put all your faith in Jesus. It's, it's, it starts small, but his plan is that it would be developed. And I want you to know this. The, the encouragement I get from this passage is that seven year, several years later, if you read the book of Acts, the disciples learned this lesson. They realized, I just need to have some faith, and I need it to grow. I need it for it to be developed. And how is it developed? It's developed through faithfulness and failure. I realized, I'm going to say this, don't laugh. Do you know that I have everything I need to bench press 250 pounds? Can we bring the bench out now? <laughs> Kidding. Y'all thought it was going to happen. <laughs> I have everything I need to bench press 250 pounds. I have all the muscles. I have the skeletal system. I have the cardio system. I have everything I need. I think I even have the weights. What don't I have? Strength. I'm not sure I have the strength to do the bar. I, I, I hope I do. I think I do. We're not going to prove it right now, but how do I get the strength? I go to the gym. I start with the bar. I do a little bit more. I hurt. I do some silly thing where I don't get somebody to spot me, and so I have to do the whole, like, oh, God, roll it down my body. And, and people are like, dude, it's just the bar. I know, but I can't get it off, right? Like you, you, you try, you fail. This is how muscles are developed. Faith is the same way. Sometimes we're just sitting around going like, God, if you'll, just, if you'll just drop a whole bunch of faith on me, then I'll go out and I'll shout at that wall. He's like, I've given you everything you need. I gave you at least this much faith. Now I'm asking you to use it. And as you use it, it will grow and it will be developed. And as it's growing and as it's developing, then you will become a wall-busting Christian. Because you will speak words that are full of that kind of faith. Last verse. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, but I tell you that everyone, how many? Everyone, tell the person next to you, listen up, all right, this is about you. I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. There are a lot of empty words being shouted at problems. Well, I don't know why my miracle hadn't come. I've been singing Bethel for a week. I mean, I even threw in some Hillsong. Just to make sure I had my bases covered, I sang a hymn. Without faith, it's impossible. Without faith, there's nothing in those words if they did land to blow up the wall. Whoa. That was fun. We have to stop speaking careless words. And literally in the Greek, here's what that means. Words that don't work. Because the same Greek word for empty is the same one used in Matthew 23 when Jesus told the parable about idle workers who stood around in the marketplace doing nothing. Doing nothing is the same Greek word as careless words. They are words that accomplish nothing. Words that do not work. Well, what are some examples? I don't, I don't even, we don't have time for that. Holy Spirit, apply it to you. We can, you can sing worship songs that don't work. They have words filled with, it don't, they don't work. They're empty. There's no faith behind it. It's, we're just going through the motions. You can, you can sing hymns that are empty. You can be quiet and think words that are empty. The question is, are my words and is my worship full of faith that is grounded in who God is and growing through what I do? Walls will fall when heaven's wrecking ball is released. His wrecking ball is our words and our worship full of faith. And when that's released, listen, 
something about, remember the sand, the sand particles? Something about our obedience is a frequency that shakes things on earth. This is what we're going to pull apart for the next couple of weeks, right? Like, I'm just fascinated with how heaven has a sound. And we're supposed to bring heaven to earth, right? Didn't Jesus, didn't, I feel like he prayed that. I feel like he prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in Albemarle, in Stanley County, in Irmo, in Charlotte, in wherever you're from. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, y'all, we do a lot of religious activity on earth, and we don't ever get free. You know why? Because earth has a frequency, but heaven has a different frequency. And when we bring that frequency here, it shatters things. Walls fall down. Addictions cease. And, and I say this, I only say this to you because I know you're thinking it because I think it too. So are you telling me, Paul, that if I have prayed and prayed and prayed, are you telling me that I don't have faith because I haven't seen the answer? Kind of. Maybe. But the good news is, it only takes that much. And so I, I'm just telling you how I pray. Well, God, fix me. <laughs> I'm, my life verse, literally, no joke. Find my journals. When I'm dead, they'll find it. If they can read them, they'll see this. My life verse is, I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, I, say, I pray it all the time. You said it, God. Like, you said it. It's right there. I read it. It's right there. It's even in red letters. I know you said it. I believe it, but I'm not seeing it. Help my unbelief. Because he, he said, I could not do it because of the littleness of your faith. And so I'm like, God, please grow my faith. And I'm just telling you, don't pray if you don't mean it. Because if you pray, grow my faith, you're saying, I want to, failure might help grow my faith. You're going to put me in positions where I might fail. But if I fail, then I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to go from disciples who couldn't take care of a kid to disciples who were like talking to kings and acts. And the way that happens is we just have to say, God, grow my faith. In you, please hear that. And, I'm, and we're going to close. In you. Grow my faith in you. Grow my faith in your word. Listen, please don't come to this church and just sing loud songs and never open the Bible. Our foundation is his word. It's his word. But as we'll see in weeks to come, do you have any idea how much he talks about shouting in the word? And just so we're on the same page, and I'll close with this. Band, you just sit. You're good. I feel like this is a, we got to go do it, right? What I wanted to do this morning, and I'm not going to do it, I wanted to say, okay, y'all, on the count of three, everybody shout. Because, now here's why I didn't do it. Because I've been in churches where the pastor did that, and I was even on staff at those churches. But there's something about when the pastor or the leader says it and you're sitting in the chair. I mean, think about all the things that go through your head. Does, does he really mean it? How loud? What if people don't shout with me? I'll feel, like, I'll feel like a fool. That's coming up too, by the way. We'll talk about that in weeks to come, how to deal with feeling like a fool. Feeling like a fool. God asked me this question. Paul, would you play the fool in order to fool the enemy? It's a whole nother Sunday. I was like, maybe. <laughs> but I knew that if I said, let's shout on the count of three, that it would just make everybody uncomfortable. And maybe it's because we, we're shouting like the Ruah shout, but we don't know the true Ah shout. Y'all, we win. We win. We win even if we're not winning. I'm old today, or older, older. I don't act any older, but I'm older. Y'all, if, if these are my last words, and this mic drops, and Wendy starts to wail, I hope she would wail. <laughs> I win. 
Because just like that, I'm with Jesus. And she wins too. <laughs> Not for the reason you're thinking. <laughs> she's like, she can try again. She wins because, because she's going to join me there too. This, this, this life is a, y'all, I can't get that across to you enough. And we spend so much time trying to figure out formulas and like if I pray it a certain way and God's just like it's my word just put your faith in my word like I'm a God who is who he says he is and I will do what I said I will do stop judging me on how long it takes right I got up this morning on the way to church and I noticed that somebody it might have been one of you somebody sent us a message on our Facebook chat module whatever thing on our website and all it said was do you believe in a literal hell and I just type back, yes. Yes, I believe that people will spend eternity either in the presence of God or apart from his presence. But I believe that he, he has a heart that wants people to never have to go to hell. And he wants to see no one perish. And so Jesus is the only way to ensure your eternity. Y'all, I believe we have to start talking like that. We have to start talking to walls like that. And our words better be full of faith. And they better be full of his word. And it, if they are, guess what? It's going to mess up how we think God is. It's going to mess up how we think church should be. Some of y'all still got, hadn't gotten over like we sang Yeshua a hundred times. Like, man, they sang that word a lot. If I read Revelation correctly, we're not going to say a lot in heaven. Because we're going to have a revelation of who he is. It's like, man, I just want, can I just, can I just speak your name? He's calling us to that place. And I'm challenging you to be in that place where you come in here and are, this should literally change the way worship sounds in this building. Because we're not just singing words. We're singing God's words. Right? How we speak in line at Walmart should change because we're speaking faith-filled words from him. All right, we've got to pray. And, and go eat my cake. I, I think you're going to, yes. I, I, I don't think there's any way I can stop it. All right, y'all. I'm going to close my eyes so I can remember to say it. I saw clearly three things that I want to just bring to your attention right now. One, I'm a history buff. Jericho is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. For, and, I'll, and I'll explain, but historical context is so important. Jericho was built on a hill because the city had been destroyed several times, and they used to build cities on top of fallen cities. So Jericho was on a hill. And the wall, let's say this, for example, let's say this is where the wall was built. They would build it up higher, and then where the wall, where the hill slopes down, they would dig this out. And let's say our wall was 10 foot. If I dig five foot down, how tall is my wall? 15 feet. It was a way for defense. It's just what they did. It was standard practice. But I want you to remember it says in scripture that the city was delivered, deliverance. It was made flat and the army went up. When they walked around the city for seven days, they made a shout and the wall came down. Well, guess what gap it filled? That wall slid down. This is archaeological evidence. This is not me just talking. This is, this is real stuff. They've discovered this in the 50s. This gap that they dug down for extra defense got filled up by the fallen wall and made the slope flat so that the armies of God could go up and take the city. Deliverance is that way, church. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what walls you've built. I don't know what Satan has built in your life. But when you come to Jesus and you speak the word of God to these walls, they fall down and they don't only fall down. They prepare a way for victory. I'm telling you that, church. I believe as much as I'm standing here before you right now. Second point I want to talk to you about is that Jericho was fascinating because when the spies went into the city and Rahab was there, they said, we are terrified of your God. We, we tend to think this, that when he was walking around for seven days, that they were like, pff, pff, look at it. No, they were terrified, but they stayed inside. 
They put all the faith on their walls. They put everything. They stuck everything on the wall around the city. And they were terrified because they knew that God was doing, that the God that they served was real. They knew what he had done to them getting them out of Egypt. He knew what they had done to them in the desert. They knew these things. And they know that God was, was taking ground like he was conquering. They knew it, but they stayed behind their walls because they cared more about the life that they had built the life that they had inside the city of Jericho. They cared more about that than to, the, than to come to God. They stayed behind them. And then the third point. Well, second, let me dwell on that for a second. How many of y'all are doing that? How many of y'all are doing that? I know God's real. I know what he's doing in my life is real. But I'm standing behind these walls. I'm standing behind my money. I'm standing behind my youth. I'm standing behind my strength. I can promise you, all those are going to be gone one day. And you're going to have to make a decision. And I hope you make the decision before all of them are gone. Third thing, we talk about the city of Jericho being marched around seven days, and we typically think of it on the eyes of the Israelite side and obedience, which is true. But it says in 2 Peter uh, 3, I forget the verse, but it talks about how God is long-suffering. He is patient that no one should perish. The seven days were a gift to the people of Jericho. They had seven days to repent. They saw the army in front of them. They knew God was going to do something, but they stayed behind their walls. God gave them time. And it was in my seat back there this morning. I was sitting there, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm sure somebody in here is like, why do we keep singing the same song over and over and over? And your heart's been pounding since you got in here. It's because God has grace. He has mercy to give you time to make a decision. He gives you time for repentance. That's a good God. Because you could be gone like that. And the youth, the money, the strength ain't going to save you. Church, I don't know who it's for. It might be for a Christian in here right now. It may be for an unbeliever. But I'm telling you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Your heart's been throbbing since you've been in here. God has given you time. Come. Come. Man, y'all. Got some preachers in the house. I love it. Can we respond? Um, if, that, if, if that's for you, if that was the Lord speaking to you from, um, through Chase, can we just put your hand up and say, that was me. I need to respond. Maybe online. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to trust it's online for sure. And I want you guys to take that. And that's a challenge, right? And all that we've talked about, can we just, I'm going to give you one practical application. Right? It's not to shout because I don't think it's going to help us to shout yet if we haven't loaded the weapon. I'm going to ask you as a church to commit yourself to the Word of God. Right? If that's you version doing reading plans, I know there's some men in the church that are, we're doing some reading plans together. Whatever, however that looks, I'm going to ask you to commit yourself to the Word of God because we better load some truth into these weapons. We don't want to give an account for careless, empty words that don't work. And the Word that we know works is God's because He said it won't return void. So can we, I want us to become the, the loudest, shoutingest church ever. But when people hear what we're shouting, I want them to hear the word of God. And we have to know it if we're going to do that. So will you commit to that? If you will, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hands and I'm going to pray. God, you see these hands all over this room. We are committed to the word you have given us. And I pray, God, if, if nothing else today, that we would feel called back to that. We don't want to be people of noise. I don't want to be, I don't want to write cool songs. I want to be a people that are full of your word and the boldness to speak it. And God, that we would launch faith-filled words at the enemy that we would launch what you said at him. 
So God, we, we're not asking you to magically, like we're not going to put our, pillow, our Bible under the pillow and hope it gets in. We're going to be intentional. We're going to get up and meet with you. We're going to go to bed and meet with you. We're going to be in your word. We're not going to wait on Paul to read it and tell me what it said. We're going to be people of the word. And so, God, I pray that tomorrow morning, man, when we wake up and our Bibles open, our apps open, what, however we do it, I pray that the enemy would tremble because he knows that we are getting the wrecking ball ready, that we are loading up our words, and they are not empty, they are not careless, and they are words that will work because they're full of faith that's grounded in who you are and is growing in what we do. We ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to solidify this revelation through the practical application of reading the Bible and loving it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.